Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. The Killer Women Vodcast is pleased to be a part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. To learn more about Danielle and her books, visit her at www.daniellegirard.com and to access all of our vodcasts, go to youtube.com forward slash authors on the air. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air Global Network with more than 4 million listeners. I'm your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Ellie Griffiths. Ellie is the author of Ruth Galloway and Magic Men Mystery Series, as well as the standalone The Stranger Diaries, winner of the Edgar Award for Best Novel, and The Postscript Murders. She is a recipient of the CWA Dagger in the Library Award and the Mary Higgins Clark Award. She lives in Brighton, England. Welcome, Ellie. Oh, thank you, Danielle. It's so lovely to be here on Killer Women. Ah, thank you. I know. I love Killer Women. I'm having, this is such a passion project for me. And I have, this is almost the end of our first season. I've interviewed like 45 fabulous women. And I have to say, this book, I, I was on the seat of my, no, the edge of my seat. I laughed out loud. The characters are so funny and and intricate and detailed and real. I loved it. So before I blabber on about all the things I love. Um, Thank you so much. That means such a lot. Thank you. Including the title, the title Bleeding Heart Yard, which is a real place and we'll talk about it. <gasps> Beautiful. So first of all, before I get way, way, way ahead of myself, tell our listeners about Bleeding Heart Yard. Okay, well, um, Bleeding Heart Yard is set in London, and uh, the protagonist, Harbinda Kaur, has got promotion and has just moved to London. The first time she's lived away from home. Um, she's a British Indian woman, she's Sikh, she's gay, only just out to her parents. So this is a whole new space for her. So she's got a new job as a detective inspector, and her first case is the death of a prominent conservative politician who drops dead at his school reunion. So it's a very high profile case. And Harbinder's glad because her new sergeant, Cassie, also went to the same school and was at the reunion. So she thinks she can have some you know, background information. But it turns out that Cassie also has secrets. And both their secrets could be linked to a sinister dining club that meets at Bleeding Heart Yard. Ah, that's so fabulous. Well, you practice that, girl. You got it. I love it. Usually I'm like, and it's about this, and it's about that. Um, OK, so first off, tell us the inspiration for the story. Well, really it was the place. So as I was saying, it is a real place. And a few years ago, I had um, lunch with some friends. But I used to work at HarperCollins as an editor. And I'm oh. still in touch with, with my old publishing friends. And once a year, we all meet up. And we try to find someone with a good name, you know, typical, you know, author. Right, editors, right. You know. And uh, my friend Paul picked this just for the name. But there's a really nice restaurant in Bleeding Heart Yard called the Bleeding Heart Bistro. And I thought, wow, I have to set a book here, really. Yes. And then I hit on the idea of, of Harbinder has appeared in um, Stranger Diaries and in the Postscript Murders. As a okay. So I wanted to write a book where she went to London, where she had moved out of her comfort zone. And also I was born in London. I went to university in London. So I've always wanted to write about it, really. So I thought these two things could come together. Harbinder could move to London. Um, she could have a case and, and it would involve Bleeding Heart Yard. And the other thing that inspired me was the school reunion, really. Yes. Because um, I went to my old school reunion um, 
I went to to a big comprehensive school uh, just outside Brighton, which uh, is, is, you know, it, it, it's it's what you'd call a public school. But when we say public school, we mean the opposite. You know, I, I know that's so interesting. Yeah, you're okay. A private school. Yeah, it and is. Basically, it was a school that anyone could go to. So um, big, big school. Um, and it was just very interesting to see the things that people had done and the things that surprised you and things that mm -hmm. didn't surprise you. And right. Also, also, the things that, that people remembered about you, that you like, for example, there was, was a, a man called Stuart who had been in my French class. And he said, oh, he said, I really didn't like the French class because you and Angela, my friend Angela, always put your bags so that I'd fall over them. And of course we didn't. You know, <sighs> that we weren't those sort of girls, but he obviously thought we were kind of mean girls. And I all these years, Stuart has thought that about me and Angela, and, and I hope I convinced him that that was not the case. But, you know, you just how people remember you. Do you remember it? Maybe I did do that. Maybe I was a mean girl. Who knows? Right, that, right. All those things came together. Well, and what's fun about it is, in some ways, the starts is kind of a closed room mystery, right? Because there's only so many people at the, re at the reunion, so we know, we suspect, one of them um, you know, is the killer. And then then there's a second murder, which I, I'm not going to give away anything. But then you were like, oh, my God, well, maybe somebody snuck into the... So it's... And, you know, and like you said, Cassie's... Cassie's own history is really... Um, you know, and it says... On, it actually tells us on the back of the book that Cassie and her friends killed a boy when they were in school. And they're, you know, they've been all keeping this a secret. And that is... So of course, there's all that fun stuff about the, the person that you were as a kid, the things kids do inadvertently or sort of in that sort of hyped up child, you know, kid thing. Oh, it's it's just and from the very beginning. It, and if you remember it, and I was reading um, up on on how easily members can be implanted, apparently. I know. I know. Somebody, well, like, you know, I'm sure as a suspense writer, you've been there yourself in, right. in, in fiction, you know, but all it takes is for somebody to tell you that you were there and you start to believe it. But like me, yes. I'm, I'm the bag and, and right. probably falling over the bag. You know, I didn't remember it, but, you know, if he tells me it, I start to remember it. Right, right. You were the bully. That's so funny. Well, yeah. and that is, I mean, and, the, sure, and the, it's to that point, the people that, you know, the way that people grew up, right, the people that became the things that we expected them. Like we, you, we knew from the very beginning that those two men were going to become politicians, right? They had that sort of, especially the one who, Garfield, who ends up, you know, dead in, at the reunion. We, you know, we expect that from him. And there's so many, the, the thing you do so well, Ellie, and this is my first Ellie Griffith book, but it will not be my last. Because first of all, I love your characters. Every single character in the book feels genuine and I particularly since we're talking about women and and the men are very well drawn and I really appreciate them but I love the women I love you know I even to, down to like Kim who is one of the and I, I always mess up your it's CIs the the criminal investigator yes, and yes, then this yes, yes. is it a, a CS criminal a DS that's right De yes. the detective inspector and then Detective Sergeant? Is that what the Detective DS is? Below. Yes, it's all different, isn't it? It's different here slightly. It's really different. It's very different, yeah. So Harbinger's in charge, but she has these two women who work under her. One, of course, is Cassie, who, who because she was at the uh, reunion, is sort of the inside scoop, but also can't be part of the investigation, obviously. But then there's Kim, who is a sort of, uh, you know, just a little bit old. You know, all these people are older than, than Harbinger, which becomes kind of an interesting thing, right, to be the young woman who is the boss. Um, Although she handles it, you know, beautifully. But Kim has this, she just comes in and she's the person who like 
speaks to everybody in a very sort of like nice way. And Harbinger's are a little edgier, right? She's in charge, so she can't be quite so, but Kim does all this. And, and the way that she, who's, she's a very secondary character, but the way that she um, adds to the investigations and discovers things and asks the right questions, I just thought, it's brilliant how you bring those people to life, Ellie. It's oh, just thank you so much. Brilliant. I I did, and then there are moments, and I have to read one of them because it's just there's so many moments where I just I literally laughed out loud. And and so Harbinger for the you know for the listeners, Harbinger live is just moved to London, so she lives actually with a couple of other women roommates. Um, and one of them is this woman Meta, who's Danish. Um, and <laughs> and she's here's Harbinger sitting at the breakfast table. Um, eating her, you know, I, I can't remember what she's eating, but she's eating. And then um, Meta goes off and, and Meta says, you know, and Harbinger says, good luck. And Meta says, you too, detective, make him eat shit. And then <laughs> it says, Meta really hasn't mastered breakfast table conversation, thinks Harbinger. <laughs> and I just laughed out loud. Like that's, you know, it's just, it's just so, it's, 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 you know, it's just one of those lines that just makes you sort of giggle. And you do that all throughout. I love it so when fun. people say that my books make them laugh because um, obviously, you know, they're crime and they're suspense and they're a bit scary in places, but I do hope they make people laugh as well. And sometimes some of the people don't mention. So thank you very much for saying oh, that. Oh, it's so, them. and so there's just so many of those lines. I'm not going to give them all away because there's so, but I get, I really do feel like read this book and you will, of course, be on, you know, on the edge of your seat. And it's very suspenseful, but there are moments when you will laugh and be like, oh my God, that's, and Harbinger has this very dry, very sharp sense of humor, you know, about so many things, the way she looks at her staff and, and the world. And it's, it's, um, it's, it's fabulous, the music, everything about it. I just, so anyway, I, I love that. So tell me about Harbinger. I did not know that she, since this is my first Ellie Griffiths book, I didn't realize that she was a continuing character. Um, so tell us about sort of where she comes from. Cause I, I think once somebody, once people read this one, they're gonna wanna know, they're gonna read, gonna read more of Harbinger. Oh, thank you. Well, yes, so Harbinder appears in The Stranger Diaries, which was my first standalone, but as we'll see, I'm not very good at standalones. Because <laughs> keep coming back. So, um, and Stranger Diaries is a kind of modern Gothic story and a woman is found dead in a way that sort of echoes the deaths in a Victorian ghost story. And so she's dead, she's down on the floor dead, and in comes the detective. And in this book, um, in Stranger Diaries, is the first book of mine that hadn't really planned very much. I, I don't know if you're a planner, but up to mm. this point, I'd been quite a planner. But for this one, for some reason, I didn't have anything written down and I kept going that way. So I wasn't sure who was going to come in and, <laughs> and to solve the crime. And in comes this woman and she says something like, let's assume I'm in charge. And I thought, oh, okay. Oh, right. I love that. <laughs> let's see who she is. And um, she, she she sort of appeared in front of me. I had a sort of good idea of who she was. And then I sort of realized that, that she was this woman, as I said, from, from a British Indian family, from a Sikh family. I've got a very good friend with that cultural background herself. And uh, she's she's called her Preet Kaur because Kaur is, is the name that most Sikh women have. Um, and she and her mum have been wonderful uh, readers on the books from the authenticity. I know, I, yeah, I noticed you didn't mention the, in the acknowledgements, which I love. I always, I was telling you, I always read the acknowledgements first. So yes, I, love um, I love that you do that. I love that you have this this connection because it really does add so much authenticity. And like and when I, she's missing the food, 
you know, she's like, yes. it's not as good as your food, mom. And of course it's well, not, my right? Mom, Balvinda, is fantastic on the food. So she oh. has really, really helped with the food. So yeah, so she comes in this background. Um, she's gay the, and the, originally wasn't really out to her parents, but now kind of is. Um, so she just sort of developed in my mind as this character and she was fun to write because mm. she was quite spiky, as you said. Yes. Um, so I wasn't sure how, whether people would like her that much. When The Stranger Diaries came out, quite a lot of people mentioned her and said they Oh, yes. And then when I wrote the postscript murders, again, it's a group of older people solving the death of, of, a, of a woman in a uh, care home. And then um, suddenly they go and it's Harbinder. So I thought this is kind of her book, really. She's a, She's been the detective in these two other books. And this is the book where she's more center stage. Mm-hmm. And, and we get to find out a bit more about her, which which I did really enjoy. I love, well, and I, I was going to say, it sounds, I mean, people obviously like her since The Stranger Diaries won the Edgar Award for Best Novel, which is, that's a big deal. I've judged oh. those and there are a lot of incredible books that come around those so amazing moment (laughs) oh I bet I know that's that's so fabulous well it's I'm sure it's well earned like I that one's on my list for sure now um is this this is is, so are we going to see her again because I'm like oh I don't yeah well I don't know who knows in some ways a bit of her story has sort of come to a close in, in this book yeah, uh, but, but I, I'm so bad at saying goodbye to my characters. I really wouldn't, <laughs> uh, wouldn't dismiss her appearing again. And I have actually got a little bit of a, an idea for the characters in the postscript murders to appear again. And I'm sure she would appear if that was the case. But kind of this is her, this is her move to London. Yes, this, this is her case. So, and um, it, da- we do leave her in a very lovely spot. So I understand that too. It's sort of like there's a part of you that's like it would be okay. Um, yes. But I. But I appreciate. It. So talking. So it sounds like I like. I want to hear a little bit more about your the sort of the you know plot the method. You said in your early books, and I I'm going to lose track here. So you have is this your fourth or fifth book? Well, all together. Oh no, because there's a series too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I have a feeling it's my thirtieth book, and I'm right now feeling a bit upset that I haven't made a bit more of this and reminding my publishers so and I'm pretty bad at maths Daniel so I have written 14 now 15 Ruth books oh my gosh five um no seven x six uh Brighton Mysteries and uh, then there were four children's books and three I've just got my little anyhow it's coming into the tw- late 20s anyhow oh my god that's fabulous okay I I you're right I literally did not do my research well I should say you deserve some you know champagne and all sorts of good whatever goodies you want yes I shall I shall remember it because it comes out the 15th of November in the US and that will be my moment when I say to everyone well I just better do the maths first but I think it's coming up to my 30th book so yes um yes actually I I did write before under my own name which i we discussed earlier my real name is Domenica de Rosa and I wrote kind of romances under that name so if you include those I'm over the 30th mark oh my god and we did talk about that because Domenica de Rosa you had to write romances there was no you really didn't have a choice um but that's we were talking about how this is actually something that a lot of authors do when they have very different types of books right they have you know um Darby Kane does it and and you do it and and I was commenting before how hard it would be for me to just to recognize somebody calling my name um if the name were so I'd have to pick something that was really like 
you know, I don't know. I would have to pick Danielle again and just change the last name because otherwise, would, that, would, that would be the, you know, that would really uh, be beside the point, wouldn't it? Then I guess it would. I'm Danielle, and this is my pseudonym, Danielle. Yes, I know it's true. I, I just, I feel like I would fail. Everybody would think I was just a total brat because I would never respond to anybody calling my name. Well, that is the problem at first, because with me, what it was, was my agent said, you know, when I wrote a crime novel, oh, you need a crime name because Domenica de Rosa, one, it sounds made up. And two, it sounds romantic. You know, yes. it's Italian. My dad was Italian, um, mm. and and so you know that's that's. It's a beautiful from. name. Well, thank yes. you. It means Domenica de Rosa means Sunday of the Rose, which is rather. Ah, oh, that's a book title, lady. Well, isn't it? And I yes. always thought I did always want to be a writer, and I do wonder if it was because I had such a writery name. So it's quite ironical that now I'm so much better known by <laughs> a different name. <laughs> totally. But, but, to, you know, to, to, to get back to what we were saying before, you know, it is difficult at first. People say Ellie and you don't recognize. You right. Don't, you don't around and people say, oh, she's a bit stuck up, that Ellie. Like this. Right. But tell you where it is quite useful is if you go to Starbucks or somewhere like that where they write the name on the cup. Yeah. And I spent my life saying Domenica. No, Domenica. Oh, no, yeah. Don't worry. But now I can just say Ellie and that's fine. Yeah, they get it right. Well, they, yeah. And they, I mean, I'm Daniel. I'm always Daniel at Starbucks. I don't know why. It, it, yes. I mean, it's fine. I'm like, oh, it's me. Yeah. I'm Daniel yes. today. Maybe that would be my pseudonym. I'd be Daniel something. <laughs> and that could no. be a plot point in a book, couldn't it? Somebody shouts out Daniel, but it's not. It's oh, I love it. I love that your brain is working. Okay, so you're, you've written a million books as far. I mean, you're so, so many books, which is fabulous. So tell me, you mentioned that this, that the Stranger Diaries was the first book, I think you said that, where you didn't kind of plot it out. So talk to me about, talk to us about like how you, how you sort of do a book. Do you, do you, have you sort of transitioned? Are you still a plotter sometimes? How does that look? Well, it's so funny, isn't it? And I love, I kind of love talking about this, you know, to other writers because everyone's, everyone's method is so different. So and different. In my case, it actually did change. So um, for the, my first, you know, however many it was books, as we've established, <laughs> I can't add them up. But um, I used to do like a little, like a little chapter plan. So it would just be yeah. a few words per chapter, but it would start at the beginning, would go to the end, and it would include who did it, really. Right. Um, so with Stranger Diaries, it was my first standalone. And so it was quite exciting. It was a new thing, new characters. Mm -hmm. And I had an idea for where I wanted it to start. It started on Halloween with, with, a, with a ghost story being told. And I thought, oh, okay, this is a good start. And then I just carried on writing. I never stopped to plot it. So it was all in my head. And I thought this is actually going quite well. So I didn't, you know, something's going well, you don't want to change it. Right, so right. I, I sort of did the whole book like that. And I read a really good quote from um, E.L. Doctorow. And he said, writing a book like that is like uh, driving in the dark with your headlights on. Right. You can only see a bit of the road in front, but you can make the whole journey like that. Yes. Um, I know that quote. I love that quote. It's, it's so true. It's a great quote, isn't yes. it? And um, that's that's how it was for me. You know, I um, you know, I, I finished the book and I felt that it helped my process really, made it a bit less linear, made me a bit yeah. looser. So from then on, so that was about five books ago, I have not written anything down. I've just had it in my head and so are you a planner? Are you a... Oh, I always wished I was a planner. You know, the problem <laughs> with with my lack of planning is that uh, it's sort of like, what you know, it's like your quote, except for I, I oftentimes find myself taking the wrong road. Yeah. And I can still see, you know, the road in front of me, but I'm on the wrong road. So I end up writing oftentimes my outfile, you know, the, the, the words that have to 
when I realize I've gone down the wrong path, I have to cut and come back. And then by the time I'm done, I've written approximately two books. So it's, it doesn't always work that well for me, but it isn't my, I do find that when I, if I were, I've tried plotting and it kind of takes the joy out of it, right? There's something magical and discovery in just writing. But then to that point though, how do you manage that? So are you, because I do feel like if you're going to write like that, you have to be in the book kind of all the time, right? Yes. Yes. And it's, and it's absolutely true what you said about writing that way does mean much more rewriting and going back and, you know, finding yourself, as you said, down one of these strange little alleyways that that doesn't Mm -hmm. go anywhere sometimes, but yes. So um, yes, I think that's right. I think you have to be very into the book. I'm quite disciplined though. I try and write a thousand words a day as I know lots of people do, but when I'm, you know, when I'm talking to you from my little writing shed, which is in the garden of my house, Oh, um, fabulous. So, uh, which, as you said, is, is just outside Brighton in Sussex. So I'm here in, in the little shed in the garden. You can just see the tree there. Yeah. Um, and when I'm here, I, you know, I don't I don't usually have my phone, so I don't not social media. I don't have any music playing. Mm. I don't have any food. I don't have a coffee. <laughs> so, I, no, I starve myself. <laughs> and yes, occasionally the odd, you know, cup of coffee helps go but right. no, I'm quite disciplined when I'm here so I think you're right I think it's quite intense writing that way isn't it yes and I I think you know sometimes I, I know when like I'll be having a conversation with my family and I get this far away look and they're like yes. okay what's happening but I'm I have you know if it comes um you know you kind of have to get to it. so you're writing seven days a week if you're not on vacation or five days yes. a week I mean I'm sort of five days a week. I try not to have, you know, to work weekends. My, my my kids are grown up now, so so they don't live at home. But obviously, when they're home for weekends and things, then I don't write. Um, but you're so right about suddenly there'll be a moment where. But I often find I don't know if you find this. I find that often if I go for a walk or I go swimming, I love to swim. The sea is really close, and I and I try and swim in the sea most days. Wow. Um, and it's if you if you're sort of swimming sort of to and fro or something, then ideas come to you, don't they? Right. It's Especially, you know, it's interesting because I, I, I'm I sort of a productivity junkie. I'm also sort of hyper, I'm very disciplined, like almost to the you know point of a little uh, obsessive. <laughs> well, just well, to I put it out there. I was describing my process the other day and I thought, wow, this sounds really obsessive. <laughs> totally. I, I mean, I think there is something to, to that though. I think being a writer, because nobody is saying, I mean, you might have a deadline for a book, but nobody is saying to you, we well, better be at work at eight. You better, you know, you get an hour break. It's not like that, right? You have no, to, it's exactly. all... It's all internal. It all comes from us. And I do find that one of the things I, I love to listen to books. I'm, I read, you know, of course, I'm always reading for killer women, which is amazing. But I, I also want to read, you know, the, the literature releases and all sorts of things. So I'm reading all the time. And I usually like to walk with my, you know, with a book. But then I find what you really need to kind of to let your own ideas boil or percolate is to is nothing right you can have no sound it has to be sort of empty space which is a little weird for people it's weird for me right we're so used to going 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 talking working you know the productivity thing you have to stare out the window and actually that's probably why swimming is great because you really can't do no, anything exactly I think that's right is you're doing something and somebody said to me once that you know, I don't know if this is true at all but I've totally absorbed this as being true is that you think better when your feet are off the ground so like swimming or cycling or horse riding I don't know why but it is true that I, something about swimming does do it for me but 
And I think there's probably something to water. I mean, I am. I actually feel like I'm a terrible swimmer. I mean, I can, I can swim, but I, I can't believe people who swim. Like my, my brother-in-law is an incredible swimmer and he swims like you all the time. And I, I literally watch him swim and think I would drown. I would be down and back and done. Like I, you know, I, maybe I just need lessons, but it, it's, a, it's a lovely exercise. It's really great for you. And I'm going to start to, I'm going to start to put my feet up and see if that helps me really yeah, definitely yes yes put your feet up and see if that but I think water as well because someone's in the shower or, or bath you have right ideas so maybe it's water maybe oh who knows it's all sorts of things thank goodness well, there's no one answer exactly and it's kind of magic right so you don't necessarily want to question it too much because it works and so you might as well just say this works I, I love that this works and I'm just going to leave it at that right um and then also before bed, are you one of those people who sort of like when you lay down, I oftentimes feel like that, like right when I'm about to fall asleep is when I keep a notepad and pen or something by my bed because the ideas come then too. Yes, that's true. And I also, sometimes to try and go to sleep, I do things like sort of try and think of alternative endings to some of my favorite books, but then then that can keep you awake because you think, right. Oh, such a good ending I've thought of from you know for this Georgia Hare novel I've, I've really got to um but but I think that you're right I think that's a creative creative time too it's it totally is so okay so you are now kind of a pantser um which I think is I do think it's sort of fabulous I do I love the I do love people that, I love the idea of plotting but it, it as I said it, it doesn't really work for me and it sounds like you found kind of a new version of magic by doing the by just sort of moving ahead in your in your stories yeah I think so in a way and also I think it's also about kind of trusting yourself isn't it because I think now I do kind of trust that it is all going to come right in the end because you know goodness we all I hope it's true of everyone um you do always have that moment don't you think wow this is never going to come together oh how is this going to work but it right. does doesn't it touch wood touch wood yeah yeah touch wood I mean it's not much it, wood in my office there's yeah I have I have some I'm touching it for both of us um but also you know I feel like it's it's absolutely true and there's terror in the beginning in every in sort of every process of every book I think I mean there's like am I gonna be able to do this you know again whatever well okay so I want to go back to to um Bleeding Heart Yard because what what the way the book starts uh, is in Cassie's point of view. And I love the idea that she admits right off that she has committed murder. <laughs> and then she decides that kind of the best way to handle that is to become a police officer, which just makes me, it made me think, okay, wait, how many police officers out there murdered people in their youth and think this is the job for me because I can kind of keep my, my, my finger on the pulse. But I, um, I love, you know, she is also so, she's wonderful because I also have grown children and they sort of candor about wanting to have a career and, and, and managing children and her husband who's lovely, but says, you don't need to work, you know, which they do sometimes. And it's like, I'm not really doing it for you. You know, um, is that, I mean, I, I, I sort of talk to me about where, where Cassie comes from. Cause she's obviously new to this book. This is the first time we've, you've met her. I did really like writing her. And as I say, she sort of did, come to me as, as this whole idea because I think you know if, if you had done something like that I mean that there might be several ways to sort of cope with it for the rest of your life because that happens to you quite young what do you right. do for the rest of your life and right. one of them might be to just try and pretend that it never ever happened and you know just absolutely put a lid on it like that right so I, I sort of started with there and then from then on I did 
you know, try in other ways to make her sort of relatable, you know, because she has a lot of the feelings a lot of us have of we're trying to have a career and have children ah, and, you know, right, and a right. husband and, and, and a dog. She's got it all. I was like, that is totally, you know, that is every mother, working mother's life right there. It's, it's, it's fabulous. And now we're, Oh, sorry. To be sort of relatable in, in that mm -hmm. way, but to have had this terrible secret. And I do think, well, I mean, in, on a really serious level, we've just had a terrible case in Britain where a serving police officer killed a woman. So, you know, you do have this, you know, yeah. police officers do kill sometimes. And I think it's sort of believable oh. that if you've been involved in the law in that way and keep thinking right. about it, you might... Um, decide to go to the other side you know to, to sort of because you might think that's the safest place to be so I thought that possibly you know is a bit of a jump and all her school friends are a bit surprised that this is what she does with her life yeah I think it's, it is a bit believable if you've been obsessing about it and thinking about it much as she tries not to right you might think you know I I mean I bought I've never for a moment first of all the what the two lovely things about that one is I never for a moment thought, oh, that's crazy. It just seemed like it, the way she presented it, I'm like, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. And the other thing about it is she's not unlikable. There's, I mean, she did commit a crime, but you know, that's the thing about it is, is that, and this is something that all, this is another reason I think your characters are so lovely is that it was, a, you know, it was something that happened to her when she was young, you know, as an accident. And, and she's very much, regret, I mean, has a lot of remorse, but it is also very believable to think, you know, what happened when her, the friends were like, get out of here. There was no moment where it was like, you better come forward. Everybody sort of handled it for her in that moment. And yet she's the one left with the, you know, the repercussions and the guilt. Um, and she wasn't alone. In, I mean, she was al no, alone she in the sense, there was a... And there I was a to write about a group, you know, a, gr a group of friends. And, you know, when it, they, they are 18, they've, they've just left school. This happens on the last day of school. Literally, yeah, they just have finished their final exams. I thought, time, oh, isn't it? It's such a yes. time when you have these intense friendships. And then suddenly you all scatter off to different, you know, universes or different careers or different whatever, whatever you do with the rest of your life. And so I thought that was quite an interesting moment to, to set it, really, where, where you have that moment where they all go off. And, exactly. you know, Cassie has her reasons, which you find out in the book, and you find out a lot more about yep. what happened and yep. everyone was there. And then I think there's, yeah, and I, again, I mean, I didn't I didn't judge her from the beginning, but I think once we figure out what happens, it's a, what she did was feels very, very reasonable to me <laughs> and I you know and uh, you know the other thing about it is there's this I love the the you know the sort of unpacking of that group mentality right they talk about like some bad person and you think oh that guy deserves this and then it you know this sort of like all this energy all this excitement about school ending all the emotions of this major thing happening in their lives and it sort of snowballs into this act um, yes. And it felt, you know, and that lasts with them forever. I mean, here's Cassie, who, who's some of her oldest friends know this secret, but her husband, you know, yeah. you know, he's not, you know, he's not in on, she's, I mean, because it wouldn't be something that you would ever tell, right? No, I mean, it, it makes you seem such a different person. And that would be the only thing people remembered about you, wouldn't it? Right. So she, she wants to put it behind us to say she's a really devoted mother and wife. Yeah and loves her job and so I did yeah I wanted to explore all of that so and also the idea of the group and the people who who were important in this group of 18 year olds who weirdly still seem important you know, right because they become like half of them yes. become really famous right yes 
And there are schools, there's a particular school in London that's known to be a comprehensive, i.e. public, properly public school, uh, but but where a lot of rich people tend to live nearby, so some mm-hmm. pop stars and actors and things, and they send their kids to the school. So some people like um, Ed Miliband, who was the head of Labour Party, went to the school and so did lots of famous writers and artists. Mm-hmm. And so it's comprehensive, but it's also sort of elite in a different way. Yes. I'm just about all that and about the class difference. because mm-hmm. Anna- Right who's the other protagonist, she's, she's working class and just happens to live in a sort of council estate nearby the school. So right, and I, and that's, that's another, I mean, like, we haven't even talked about Anna. I mean, that's exactly right, because she's this whole other, you know, she, and she's escaped, you know, she's left and li- lives in Italy now, which is lovely, I love Italy. Um, and, you know, she has, she feels, it, it, it's funny to see people reflect to her who she was to them because who she feels like she is, it's like you said about the, the boy you tripped <laughs> mercilessly when you were in high school. Um, it, you know, she feels like a very different person and yet, she, you know, these people look at her and think about her strength and, you know, and her independence, which she, you know, doesn't feel. And I think that's another way you could be, you know, you can, people can look at you like you were the mean girl, which of course you're like, I was never the mean girl, but also they can see strength in you that you didn't, ever feel in yourself especially at that age right we none of us feel like we've got our shit together and I think people keep telling her that she was quite cool at school and she she doesn't think that at all because for her point of view she was different because you know she didn't have much money she had to have a a, a weekend job and things like that but of course they thought that was quite cool mm-hmm. um, and it's a kind of plot point that she was sort of cool and, and different in yeah that way. so I, I i loved writing about her i have to say yes she, she's come back to england partly to, to nurse her sick mother and i yes. really enjoyed writing about that relationship of her oh her that relationship with her mother and her sister too i mean all of those i mean it's lovely and it feels yes and her mother you know is quite ill and the, her protectiveness about her mother while you know being in all the police activity talk everyone you know being invested being talked to because of the the death at the at the reunion it's very um again this is what i mean about the book i mean it's it's not it seems like for all the details in the book it should be like 900 pages and yet you have this ability to paint these characters with just these beautiful brush strokes of that give us a, you know, and I think that economy. Thank you, Danielle. What a lovely thing to say. It's so true. And I think maybe, I mean, you've written 30 books now that I, but, but I, <laughs> I think so, yeah. I, I, well, exactly, around. But I suspect you probably do that naturally. Um, but it is, it's a, such a gift because I think so many times you read a book where we spend a lot of time talking about a character to get really what can be delivered, you know, from a from you know a real professional there with a very light touch and you do that and these characters every single and the mother I mean she's not even part of the story really right or the sister even like I love how she responds to the you know to the new to the appearance of uh, Anna's old friend who's a who's a you know famous actor and she's all you know she's clearly got you know she's a fan girling him and it's just every bit of it is is so beautifully done and I I I mean. I've obviously I'm gushing because I I love it I I love it and I I'm such a sucker for a you know police the sort of traditional the police world I love that world and this is but this is this and this it does that and and so so much more which is incredible you're fabulous
Oh, thank you. How lovely. I'd love to come on the show. I know, right? <laughs> Who doesn't want to be told they're fabulous? But you are actually, exactly. you are actually fabulous. Okay, so now that I'm gushing over this, so what is coming, this is coming out in, in the US in November, November 15th. November the 15th, yes. Okay, so, and I think oh. our, our air day is a little later than that. Oh, um, okay. But it's coming out November 15th, so it's already available when you're listening to this. You must go get it. And now, Ellie, tell us what is next. What are you working on? So the next thing will be book 15 in the Ruth series. So the okay. Dr. Ruth Galloway series, she's a forensic archeologist. And, um, you know, in, in the course of 15 books, she's she's investigated many, many crimes and many different archaeology, like uh, from, from sort of Bronze Age and uh, Iron Age to Roman to, to wow. Second World War. So we've got layers and layers of history. So then the new book is out, I think, in the US in April, and it's called The Last Remains. You're so fast. Are you writing... Are you writing two books a year or what's going on? Two books a year at the moment, yeah. But um, yes, ah! you're never more than a few. In- well, you'd have to be to have 30 books out already. You'd have to yes, be reading, yes, writing two books I, a year. I, I, wasn't, I haven't been published that long, really. So um, yes, yes. So that's the next one. Um, and then I think after that will be another one in the Brighton Mystery Series. And then maybe something new. So I love it. So your series must be really, I mean, that's like, I also have done both series and standalone and there is something lovely about a series, right? It's like you're going back to visit friends you haven't seen in a bit. Yes, it really is. And it's so interesting, isn't it, doing both things? Because yes. with a standalone, it's so fun to create characters who, who could be unreliable. Whereas with a serious character, you think, broadly speaking, people you know, are going to trust what they say. But but yes, it's like, and, and, and like with your books, you know, when, when I go back to Ruth's world, it's now quite a big world with, with a big cast and yes. so many sort of minor characters who have become sort of central characters. So it, it is a lovely world to go back to. But I've said that this book 15, which is The Last Remains, is going to be the last Ruth book, at least for now. So <laughs> I like it. You've got to get I don't just, like to be, you know. Uh, right. Qualify. Exactly. Okay, so wait, so what, what is the first, so we should start in the beginning, I mean, I'm sure you do a beautiful job of, you know, telling us where Ruth has been and where she is, but the first Ruth Galloway book is called what? It's called The Crossing Places, and actually, I think you probably should read them in order, Okay. because, you know, uh, yeah. just, you know, the relationships are now got so complicated, so there, yeah, thank you for reminding me to say the title of the first one, and the first one is called um, The Crossing Places. The Crossing Places, okay, well, that's lovely, we have a whole world of Ellie Griffiths to, <laughs> to explore, and I love it, okay, so you're working on that one already in April, so you, that book's probably done. Yeah, that is pretty much done. I'm just kind of doing the last little bits of edits, which, you know, I used to be an editor. You'd think I wouldn't make mistakes like somebody gets in the car in a skirt and gets out in trousers. But I still do. <laughs> I love that, right? It's, no, it's, I, it happens. your editor writes in the margin, is it still Thursday? Yes, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I actually have to do, when I write a draft, I, at the beginning of each chapter, I have to tell myself what day it is. So I, I know is yes. I'd be like, you know, and ever, you know, I, I also characters never eat. They never go to the bathroom and that's all fine, but they have to sleep. You can't keep them up night after night after night without giving them some rest or your editor does say, what the hell <laughs> When was the last time like this a, woman? An endless nap? Thursday that goes on forever. So yes. Right. So those, I'm doing those little bits at the moment, but it's more or less finished. Yeah. Oh, that's so exciting. Well, my God, this is so fun. Ellie, you are fabulous. This is, oh. 
I, I really do. I absolutely love, uh, I love this bleeding heart. Now I have to ask, I guess, one more question before I let you go. You mentioned that it was fun to write in London. So are the other books set not in London? No, so this is my first book set in London. So the Ruth books are set in Norfolk. Have you ever been to Norfolk? Mm -mm. It's, it's on the very sort of Eastern edge of Britain and it's quite okay. uh, very beautiful, but it's quite sort of lonely in some places. And mm -hmm. I chose it because there's lots of archeology span there and she's an archeologist. Okay and lots of mythology and it's that sort of place it's very beautiful a bit bleak people always say yeah. it's very flat you know so that they're in norfolk the the brighton series obviously in brighton and right. the, the stranger diaries is kind of set in sussex not far from here and so is postscript murders so yeah bleeding heart yard was my first book in in london and i was able to do that whole thing of putting in some of these wonderful london street names like bleeding heart yard and ah i know button lane i i know i and it's been I'm, forever i'm gonna have to come back and do a and do a uh ellie griffiths tour of, of england and just follow my way around the books definitely, so i haven't been there forever definitely you must do you must do, do the ellie griffiths tour definitely uh, so i love it, was it. A lot of fun well, do you um do you ever come to any of the conferences? Um, do you ever come to Thriller Fest or, or more over your way? <laughs> I've been to Bouchercon a few times. The last one was at St. Petersburg in Florida, which was, I guess, just before lockdown, wasn't it, 2019? Yeah. So I'm hoping to come uh, the, next year to, I think it's in San Diego. Yes. Well, so I'm hoping to do both those things next year. Well, I will be at both of those. So that is oh, so fun. I, I know. I will look forward to meeting in person and having a cocktail and talking yes, about. Must have, a, must have a drink together. Absolutely. We'll talk about Ruth and 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 Cassie and, and Harbinger. I love these characters. So um, again, obviously, everybody who's listening to me blabber knows how much I've enjoyed this Ellie Griffiths book. And you must go pick it up. If nothing else, look at also, you can't see it if you're listening, but the cover is gorgeous. Um, it's amazing. It's this beautiful house. Looks a bit like 10 Downing Street, which is, you know, where our prime minister lives and which is a bit of an Airbnb at the moment in, in Britain. No one stays <laughs> there for more than a couple of weeks. Um, right. But it's this, this wonderful old news house, very spooky. It's lovely. It is lovely. They've done a fabulous job. I love that. So, um, so yes, go pick up Bleeding Heart, Heart, Heart uh, Yard and then you have a Sounds like a lot of Ellie Griffiths books to, to read after that. So thank you so much for joining me today, Ellie. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you so much, Daniela. Thank you so much for your enthusiasm. It's really buoyed me up. Thank you. Oh, it's so fun. Well, I, like I said, I'm clearly a fan. You must know. And everybody who's listening, um, thank you so much for joining Killer Women podcast today with my guest, Ellie Griffiths, and we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.